Good morning, it's Friday, April the 3rd. We're reading through Judges and Luke in our daily Bible reading. I hope you're following along. I wanna motivate you to read it. And today we are in Judges chapters 10 and 11. And we see the accounts of the next uh, couple, next three judges. And again, judges doesn't mean they're on a bench with a robe and a gavel. These are uh, deliverers. They are raised up by God to free the Israelites from the oppression of an oppressor that they justly were engaged uh, or subjected to because of their sin and idolatry. So in this case, and things keep spiraling back down here in this 335-year period of time, uh, Tola and Jr. these brief uh, accounts, and then Jephthah, who, if you remember anybody besides Gideon and Samson from um, Judges, you probably, you probably remember Jephthah. Jephthah's foolish vow. He makes the, the rash vow of whatever comes out after this uh, uh, victory. If he was going to get victory, he would sacrifice that to the Lord. And instead of a goat or a lamb coming out, his daughter comes out. Now, a lot of people try to talk their way around this. That this must have been something else, a vow to uh, give her over to, you know, perpetual uh, virginity, or they come up with all kinds of, of things. But it seems like the plain reading of the text is um, he sacrifices his daughter. It's bizarre and tragic and horrifying. And yet maybe even in this account, we see uh, in the most imperfect way you could possibly even imagine a faint reflection of the sacrifice of Christ. Um, think about that. And these sound blasphemous, but the human sacrifice, of course, which is absolutely useless in any of the uh, possible ways that we might think about it, because we are sinful creatures, the sacrifice of a human being means nothing. But the sacrifice of Christ, which was a human sacrifice, was the sacrifice of an intentional father, uh, not a, a foolish, rash father, but an intentional father bringing his son as the payment for the sins of many, the ransom, as the Bible says, for many. So uh, as odd as this is and as tragic as this is, remember that none of this comes with any affirmations from the narrator. This is a scene of a uh, tragic deliverer as we've spiraled down to some terrible things in Judges, and it's going to get worse. Uh, hard to believe, but it will in the book of Judges. So um, this picture of that in Judges 10 and 11 may be uh, very uh, depressing, but get into the New Testament reading after we get that clear picture, that snapshot of the problems in Israel in that period of time, and go to Luke chapter 9 for the first half of this chapter. We're going to read about Christ sending out the 12 apostles, and this is very interesting passage where we have Jesus saying, don't take any supplies with you. Be like me calling on a missions trip to have you come and bringing you a, a letter in the mail that says, don't bring any luggage, don't bring any money, don't bring a passport. I mean, it would be an insane way to go about uh, leaving into foreign places to do ministry. And yet Jesus does that. As I like to say, he tied uh, one hand behind their back and said, now go do ministry and God provides. And when he provides, at the end of his ministry, he says, okay, now take all this stuff with you. You know, if you're going to go on a mission trip, pack. If you're going to go on some kind of journey, you take your money with you. And you take an extra pair of sandals, and you take your staff, and you take your defensive uh, tools and your sword. Those kinds of things were commissioned, as they always have been in Scripture, as a prudent way to plan to do anything. Uh, and what this was to teach those 12 was that if I provided for you when you didn't have it, then you should never doubt that I can take care of you. Now, you make all the 
human wise provisions, prudent provisions that you can, but know that God is the one who supplies your need. Even if you're David in front of Goliath or you're Gideon in front of the Midianite armies, you should trust me for victory because as um, Saul's son said, God can deliver by few or by many. So we trust him. And that's the picture here of the sending out of the 12. Herod's intrigue, the feeding of the 5,000, which is another great picture of God supplying with very little. And God can do great things with very little. And he does that with the church and has for 2,000 years now, uh, with rare exception, being in a minority, uh, at least in terms of power and culture, uh, even though it's been dominant in its religious influence, uh, we recognize that God is using the, uh, the feeble and the small and the... Uh, uh, the lesser things, the things that are not, as it's put in 1 Corinthians 2, shame the things that are. And then Peter makes his great confession, which of course is the thing that Christ is going to build his church on. He says to Peter, who do you say that I am? Which always is what we should remember. The confession of the church um, is the thing that the gospel is built on, that Jesus is the Christ. All right, a lot about the Bible reading, but let me quickly get to our one another. John 13, sometimes we don't think about this as a one another, but Jesus says in John 13, verse 14, wash one another's feet. Of course, in that day, it was a very common thing. You had to do that, at least as an act of courtesy, to wash someone's feet because they walked through the dusty ancient roads. And now we have in Scripture Jesus, who's the head, the rabbi, the leader of this group, stooping down, taking the basin, putting on an apron and washing the feet. That's the picture of him being a servant and a servant leader. And so it's a good reminder for us, no matter what your position is, to be willing to do whatever it takes to meet the needs of other people. Of course, washing feet is not a necessary cultural demand today. This isn't like an ordinance of the church, like baptism and the Lord's Supper. It's a reminder for us that no matter what the situation is, someone needs a, uh, you know, their sink fixed, or someone needs their car washed, or someone needs whatever menial task it might be, we should never be as people or leaders above that task. So be a servant leader, be a servant to your family, to your friends, whatever your position is in this world, uh, be sure that you're willing to do the mundane and lowly job, whatever it might be. No job is too small. Be willing to roll up your sleeves to serve one another today. So wash one another's feet in some practical way. See if you might be able to meet someone's need, no matter how small it might be.